Good morning, OneChurch.tv. How you guys doing this morning? Yeah. Guys, it's so glad. I'm so awesome and honored to be with you guys today. I was actually hanging out in Theater 15 and listening to you guys worship. And man, such an amazing environment. I love our acoustic venue. It was really so cool. I love you guys worshiping in here. I'm just glad to be in church today on today on Palm Sunday. Can you believe that Easter is next week? Oh my gosh, that is so exciting, and I'm so glad that you chose to hang out with us for part three of this series. We're calling Don't Be, everybody say it, Weird. And I know that's a challenge, because uh, I know one church people, we can be a little, just saying. But here's the thing, here's why, why we're talking about this and what we're talking about. This. All of this came from a LifeWay study that was done a while back, and it simply said this that 78% of people who don't attend church, they want to have a genuine conversation with you about your faith. I mean, that should be encouraging, especially with Easter right around the corner, that honestly, that all of us, that there are people who want to have a conversation with you and me, and Easter is a great time to be able to talk with them about that. But here's the reality, and it's simply this. The Christians actually share their faith with less than one person a year. That's actually 0.7 people per year. I don't know who's a 0.7 person. But honestly, that this whole idea that there are people out there who want to have a conversation about faith and church and Jesus, but yet you and I, we very rarely ever talk about it because, here it is, we can feel weird when we share our faith. And if you're here today and you're not a Christian, you're not a church person, here's what you know is that Christians, sometimes we are weird when we share our faith, right? I mean, how many of y'all have ever seen a televangelist? Or it's just strange, or maybe you've seen people with picket signs out by exit four, or maybe, or gate four, or maybe uh, you've seen uh, somebody with a megaphone yelling at people on the campus of Austin P. I mean, Christians can really be weird, when we share our faith. And the first week we talked about this, and if you, hadn't, if, if you haven't been here the whole time, you can actually download our One Church app for free. It's a great way to do that. But the first week we simply talked about that in the early days of Christianity, they had a lot more to be afraid of than you and I do. I mean, think about it. You and I, we can get ridiculed, we can get laughed at, and yeah, I get it. But like back in Jesus's day, they killed you for sharing your faith. You were put in prison People were getting arrested for talking about Jesus. People were being killed and fed to the lions in the Colosseum for sharing their faith. And here's another reality. The early Christians knew a whole lot less than you and I do. I mean, they didn't even have a Bible. They didn't. They, we have a Bible today, a completed Bible, but see, back then it was still being written. So how did they know so little and had so much more to be afraid, yet they were so passionate about sharing their faith? And here's what we discovered that first week. The early Christians' passion for sharing their faith was because of who they knew, not what they knew. You see, who they knew was Jesus. They had hung out with Jesus. And because they had hung out with Jesus... It changed their perspective. They saw him raise the dead, heal the sick, uh, take two, uh, two uh, fish and five loaves of bread and feed over 5,000 people. I mean, they saw him. They saw him crucified, was buried, 
but yet was raised again on the third day. And we're going to celebrate that next week. And then last week, we looked at the whole stages of what some people do to come into faith. That's very, very interesting because we looked at a book and it simply says, I once was lost. And what the, we looked at five different stages of what people kind of, as they cross the finish line of faith, and we looked at the very first stage was simply just knowing and trusting a Christian, just a Christian who is trustworthy. And, uh, and that's what we talked about, that we want to be those type of people who are not weird, that people can trust. And we looked at simply this, that what if, what if I share my faith and they answer me, ask questions I can't answer? And we, I gave you permission last week to simply say three words, I don't know. That's it. I don't know. Well, what about evolution and creation? I don't know. How did Noah get all those animals on the ark? I don't know. But... Let me share with you what Jesus has done for me. So that's really, really important. Now, as we're kind of as we're kind of putting a bow on this series this week, I want to share with you uh, what a blogger what he came across and what he says about this whole idea. And he simply says this: Non Christians want to interact with Christians. I mean, that's what we talked about. They want to have a conversation about faith, right? They want to see Christians' actions match their beliefs. Isn't that true? When a Christian's actions doesn't match their beliefs, what do we call those? Hypocrites, exactly right. In fact, some of you, the reason why you don't go to church is you would say the church is full of hypocrites. And you know what? You would be exactly right, right? How many of y'all ever have kids and you tell your kids to do something and then somehow they see you doing something of the exact opposite? See, all of us have done that because we're people and we're messy. But he says that non-Christians want to see Christians, their actions and their beliefs match up. They want Christians to be real. That's it. Ultimately, they just want us to be real. They know that we're not going to be perfect, that we're not going to get it right 100% of the time. But we are just doing our best to follow Jesus. So today, we want to look at this. In light of the desire people have to have this conversation, how do you really have a conversation with people? How do you have a dialogue, a conversation within? Now, some of you, you're like, hey, how do I talk to a girl? That's a different sermon, okay? So, but today, we're going to be talking about how you talk to both guys and girls about faith. How do you have that conversation? And we learned last week, guess what? God is in control, but you have a role. God is in control, but you have a role. And ultimately, you can't change people's hearts. Not only God can do that, but you have a role in telling them about Jesus, having these conversations. Here's our big idea today. Our role is conversation, not conversion. Can we say that together? Our role is conversation, not There it is. You see, your role is conversation, not conversion. And when you think your role is conversion, it starts to feel like coercion, and that gets a little weird. You see, I grew up in church. I grew up in a fantastic church, and it was a Southern Baptist church. How many of y'all like grew up Southern Baptist? Let me see some of y'all. All right, some of y'all. And, and if you didn't grow up Southern Baptist, we're so glad that you're having here. So maybe you didn't grow up in church. Great. I'm just telling you my story. I remember at the end, you know, they'd have the, the, the worship and then the preacher would get up and do the talking, the preaching. And at the end of the sermon, do you, anybody know what always happens at the end? Invitation. Invitation or an altar call. 
And if, if you, let me explain what that is. See, an altar call was a time that the preacher would give an opportunity for the people who just heard the message to respond. And whether he was, uh, uh, he was talking about heaven or she was talking about prayer or whatever, that they would be able to tell the story and then give people to respond. And sometimes altar calls and invitations are really good. Um, if the message warrants it, you know, it's, it's a really good thing. Um, and it's, but here's the thing, and this is where it gets a little weird because it felt like most of the preachers, it felt like their responsibility was conversion. And after a while, if you're not careful, it starts to feel a little bit like manipulation. Let me explain that. I remember preaching at the Southern Baptist Church, and they asked me to preach on a specific topic, and it was a money. And I'm not a huge fan of talking about money uh, because most non-Christians, the reason why they don't go to the church is they think the only church is only interested in their money. Um, but, you know, we want them to give their lives to God. So, And I do know this, that once you give your heart to God, guess what? God's going to say yes to you and you're going to say yes to him, but our money is tied to our heart. So I'm talking about money, and they said, make sure at the end to give an invitation. And I'm like, what am I going to get an invitation for? I'm talking about money and debt. You want me to like call people down and have them cut up their credit cards? I mean, I don't quite know. And it just felt like it was a little manipulation, and the message didn't call for it. And this is the reason. It's because most preachers in that denomination, and what a lot of people, they just think that conversion is there. It's pretty much on them. But here's the thing. We believe in no pressure, no coercion. Our role is conversation, not conversion. Your goal is to be someone, not to sell something. That's big. Your goal is just to be a fellow human being whose life has been changed by Jesus, who's willing to be a friend with, to somebody else. The minute you start to feel like you're selling something, that's when it gets weird. That's when it feels a little bit icky. So how do you have a conversation? Great question. We're going to see how Jesus had a conversation in John chapter 4, and we're going to see how he had this conversation with the woman at the well. John chapter 4, some of you know the story. It's going to be on the screen behind me, but you can also look at it on the Bible app. Jesus, tired from the long walk, sat wearily beside the well about what time? Noontime. Exactly right. So it's hot. Jesus is tired. The disciples have actually gone to another city to be able to get some food. Apparently, there wasn't a jack-in-the-box there. So Jesus is sitting by the well. He's tired. He's hot. And let me tell you what he's not doing. He doesn't have picket signs. He doesn't have a bullhorn. He isn't like giving out his best of sermon series uh, on CD. He's just being normal. Everybody say that. Normal. And that's number one. In order to have a good conversation, you have to be normal. Again, I know that's a stretch. All right. Just be normal. All right. As you're living your life, as you're at work, as you're in the neighborhood, as you're having conversations with your friends throughout the week, as you're at the barbecue this summer, just be normal and connect with people authentically in a real way. Not like going and knocking on somebody's door. You don't know, hey, hey, my name's Chris. If you were to die today, are you going to, you know, where you're going to spend eternity? That's just a little weird. I know people who have stopped going to church because somebody did that to them because it just seems forced. That's not as you are going along, as you are living your life. That's not normal. See, normal is a relationship. It's a conversation. And let's keep on going. It says this, soon a Samaritan woman came to draw water. 
And Jesus said to her, please give me a drink. Make sense? It's hot. So the woman was surprised, for the Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. She said to Jesus, you are a Jew, and I'm a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? And I love what Jesus is about. Jesus starts this with this really simple, genuine question, can I have a drink? So here's what I know. Spring's coming. Summer's coming. And some of you, you're going to be out in your backyard and you're going to be grilling. I love grilling, by the way. All right. You're going to be out in the backyard grilling and you're going to see somebody across the way. Maybe your next door neighbor and it's hot. And as you're kind of over the grill, you can say, hey, you want a drink? Do you want a drink? Maxine, you want a drink? I got Dr. Pepper, I got Coke Zero, I got Gatorade, I got Coke, Coca-Cola. What you want? Well, I got, you, you just tell me. Come on now. Anybody else want a drink? Come on. You want a drink? What you want? Sprite work? Very good. Anybody, who wants a drink? Randy, you want a drink? Come on. Come get a drink. Anybody else want a drink? Come on. What do you want, Randy? I got Dr. Pepper, Coke Zero, I got Sprite, Coca-Cola. Sprite, it's you, man. All right, anybody else want a drink? See, some of y'all, y'all are so bashful. Michael, what you want? Sprite. Sprite. Sprite's popular, 1030. All right, the rest of y'all, y'all missed out. See, okay, the one person from the back, come on. Come on now. So, it, see, it's just a simple question that can start a conversation. Hey, do you want a drink? I see it's hot outside. What can I get you to drink? What can I get you to drink, my friend? I love, see, you and me, I love Coke Zero. You're welcome. Let's give it up. All right. You see, it's something that can be that simple when you're in the backyard. Hey, can I, get, can I offer you a drink? You want a Gatorade? I think I'm going to drink a Gatorade right now. It'll be fun for me. All right. See, it's really cool. And it all starts with a genuine Question. It's an amazing power of a simple question. It's like this. One of the things I like doing is I like going, I used to like going to the tap room with the Black Horse. How many of y'all ever been to the Black Horse? I loved pizza at the Black Horse, the beer, cheese, nachos, amazing. I'd go up there in the tap room and I would take my computer and I would write sermons. And the reason why I went up there, yes, I do like the pizza, but I want to hang out with people who probably are not normally going to church. So I would befriend them. And while I was up there, there was a guy by the name of Don Blankenship. Here's a picture of Don. Don was DJing up at the tap room, and he was spinning some tunes. I'm like, hey, is this? And yeah, yeah, that's an artist. And I gave Don an invite card, just like I'm going to challenge you to pick up today. So that's what Don did. And guess what? Don showed up at church the next Sunday, and he started coming to church every Sunday after that. Here's what's so cool. His wife started coming to church, and he started DJing on Sunday mornings. So like while people were coming in, he would like be spinning records and stuff. It was so cool. 
Until one day, uh, as we were getting ready to start worship, and he was playing Katy Perry's I Kissed a Girl and I Liked It. I'm like, we probably ought to have a conversation. But it was so cool having Don come to church. He became an inside-out leader to students. And, man, God captured his heart. He gave his life to Jesus. And what's so cool, Jennifer gave her life to Jesus. And here's a video of Don <laughs> baptizing Jennifer in the water at one of our birthday celebrations. And guess what? All of that started with just a conversation and a question. Hey, is that that artist? Is that Dave Crowder? You see, what's so cool is, number two, you got to ask good questions. You got to ask good questions. Be normal, ask good questions. Now, what is a good question? Well, ask questions that build a friendship, not a profile. You see, some of you, you're on Facebook and you have a Facebook profile right? You like this movie, you, you like this band, you like this artist, this is your birthday. Or maybe you have Instagram profiles or marketing companies will kind of zone into that. But let me tell you, how many kids you have, all that stuff, that's great, but that's not what builds friendships. If you want to be a good friend of someone, have a genuine, real, authentic friendship, don't just ask those surface questions. So, and you ask questions not because they're a project, but because of the posture of your heart, you actually care about them. Ask them questions like this. You know, tell me about your job. Well, I hate my job. Well, I'm sorry to hear that. What don't you like about it? Tell me more about that. And see, it opens up even more conversations. Hey, you got three kids. How is that? Is that a little crazy? You have no idea, right? Tell me more about that, right? I mean, it's just like it opens up a conversation. I think we live in a day and age where we're so transactional. Having a conversation with someone is a lost art because today having a conversation is more like building a sports stat card. We get their stats and then we walk away. But let's be people who really genuinely care about people who really want to build friendships and ask them questions. Let me do this uh, kind of cool. Do you know that Jesus asked 307 questions? In the three and a half years ministry, he was there. 307. Get this. Other people asked him 183 questions. That's a lot of questions. You don't want to know how many he answered? Three. He only answered three. So even when people ask questions, he would many times ask another question to them or he would tell a story. And that's what we're going to see Jesus asking questions here. Simply says this. Uh, John 4.10, Jesus replied, if you only knew the gift of God has for you and who you're speaking to, you would ask me and I would give you living water. So Jesus sees this woman in the middle of the day, noontime, really hot. Heat is brutal and she's collecting water and she has to do this every day. And he asks the question, good question. I, you know, if I could just give you living water. And this is what verse 11, how she responds. But sir, you don't have a rope or a bucket. And this well is very deep. Where would you get this living water? I wonder if she thought of like living water as like a type of water, like Evian or Dasani. It's living water. Okay. I don't know. But this is what he replies. Anyone who drinks this water again will soon become thirsty. But those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty again. Please, sir, the woman said, give me this water. Then I will never be thirsty again, and I won't have to come here at this well to get water. So you got water. Can I just have that? 
I mean, that'd be great. Can I get your drink? Here's the thing I love about Jesus, and that's number three. Listen to what's happening in people's lives. Listen. I feel like today we don't do a good job listening to other people, do we? As they're talking, we're already thinking in our head what, how we're going to respond, and we don't listen. We don't have conversations. We have yelling matches, especially on Facebook over politics. You know, it'd be amazing if we all just sit down and actually listen to one another and have conversations. Things might get fixed, but we don't. We like, you talk, you talk, you talk, you talk, you talk. Now when you take a breath, okay, I'm going to interject. And then I'm going to speak and how well I can speak over you. Wow. Listen to what's happening in their lives. You pay attention to the details. It's like, maybe it's like this. Your next door neighbor will always left at seven o'clock to go to their work. But for the past month, their car has not left the driveway at seven. Hey, is everything all right with your job? I, I noticed you haven't been leaving at the same time. And well, yeah, things have been tight at work and I've been let off. You see, that creates a conversation. Or maybe it's a Saturday and you're, you're outdoor, outdoors in the barbecue and the person's phone is just blowing up, blowing up, blowing up. Hey, I, I noticed you got a lot of stuff going on. Is everything okay? No, it's my mom. She was diagnosed with cancer last week. I'm so sorry to hear that. And again, it goes into another conversation. Hey, I haven't seen your husband in a long time. Are you guys doing okay? You see... The question you need to ask is, Jesus, where are you active in this person's life? And you may be the only person out there asking that question. Jesus, where are you? Where are you interacting in their life? And you pray, Jesus, listen, whatever's going on in their life, give me the words and the empathy so that I can interact with them. Because God gave us his Holy Spirit to help us to learn about other people and to have conversations with them, not at them. And Jesus, what are you trying to say? What do you want me to say to him or to her? And Jesus, seeing it's in the heat of the day, Jesus notices this. Why is she here in the middle of the day? It's clearly something else is going on here because this is not the ideal time to get water. She's trying to avoid people. So he says to her, hey, uh, go and get your husband, Jesus said. I don't have a husband, the woman replied. Now, here is really the pivot point of this conversation. Uh, it, it's this, this is the point for many of you and I, we're like, oh, okay, all right, see you later. And we chicken out. You see, we get to a point where someone is, we're having a conversation, and all of a sudden, we get to the moment where we simply go, if I ask another question, this is going to get messy. And what do I really want to get, go into that mess with them? If I had a conversation, I love going to B-Dubs, Buffalo Wild Wings, because again, I like the food's all right, but I like hanging out with people who normally don't go to church. And I'm talking to one of the waitresses there, and she's like 37 years old, and she talks about having a 22-year-old. I'm like, there's a story behind that. Do I want to ask the question? Or do you just want to say, oh, that's good. Can I, can I have some more water? You see, here's the, the interesting thing about this. People who follow Jesus we run towards the messes. We don't run away from them. And that's number four. Run towards the mess of people's lives. Run towards the mess of people's lives. That, because that's who Jesus is. If you're a follower of Jesus, you know this for yourself, that Jesus is the best when he is in our mess. He can handle it. 
people who don't follow Jesus, they, we, should, we don't, shouldn't run away from the message. We need to run towards them. How many of y'all, you would agree that you are a mess? How many of y'all would you would say you're a hot mess? See, I'm with you. I know I'm good. I know I'm hot. I'm a hot mess though. Just saying, right? It's okay to, feel, to, to be messy. And if you're a messy person, maybe you're not. I'm not just talking about messy in a car. I'm just talking about sometimes life doesn't really add up. It doesn't really make sense sometimes. Let me tell you, you welcome home. You are at home. And that's when you move forward in that conversation. I didn't know about your mom's diagnosis. What can I do? How can I help? How can I pray? Really? Having kids from three different families, that's got to be rough. Tell me more about that. Or maybe it's your next door neighbor. Hey, I I noticed that things are getting kind of out of hand with the the grass and stuff. And can I cut your grass for you? See, that's no judgment. That's just you asking the question, what does love require of me? That's you moving towards the mess. And that's what Jesus did. Jesus says, you're right. You don't have a husband for you have had how many husbands? Five husbands. And can we just all agree that's a little bit messy, right? I mean, even in today, 2019, that's a little bit messy, that's complicated. And, she says, and he, he continues on, Jesus says, and you aren't even married to the man where you're living with now. Now, at this point, if you know Christians, you would expect Jesus to talk about what biblical marriage looks like and how you shouldn't do that and all this. Do you know Jesus didn't do any of that right now? He simply, he simply just moves towards her mess. No condemnation. And you know what she does? And this happens to me all the time. When you move towards other people's messes, it can get uncomfortable and people will start to change the subject. That's what she does, right? She responds this way. You certainly spoke the truth, sir. You must be a prophet. It's like, uh, yeah, all right? And this just happens. You start to change the subject, all right? Let's keep on reading. It says this. Uh, So tell me, why is it that the Jews insist that Jerusalem is the only place to worship God, while we Samaritans claim it's here at Mount Gerizim as our ancestors worship? It's like he kind of, she kind of comes up with the question of the day. Again, this happens to me all the time when I'm at Buffalo Wild Wings. I'm sitting outside under the patio, and I'm out there, and I'm, they've actually, the, the staff at Buffalo Wild Wings have given me a jersey, and it says Pastor Chris on it. It's pretty cool. So I can't really hide, you know. So, uh, so I'm there in my jersey, and uh, somebody will come out, and they've had two or three, maybe too many beers, and I start becoming a confession booth, right? It's like, bless me, Father, for I've sinned. I'm like, whoa, wait a minute, right? And they just kind of throw it out there, and I will move towards their mess, and then they'll try to sidetrack me with a weird question. Well, what do Christians think about Trump? What do Christians think about the border wall and immigrants? What do Christians think about gay marriage? What do th- I mean, and it's just like, where did, this came out of left field, right? So this is what Jesus does. This, even though she brings up this weird question, look at how Jesus responds. Jesus replied, believe me, dear woman, the time is coming when it will no longer matter whether you worship the Father on this mountain or in Jerusalem. But the time is coming, indeed, it's here now, when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father is looking for those who will worship him that way. You know what Jesus does? Jesus answers her question, but then points the conversation back to himself again. 
And that's what God is calling you and I to do, to answer their question, if you can, answer their question, but keep pointing towards Jesus. Hey, I understand this is the issue. Yeah, we can talk about that, but let's really talk about the main subject. That's Jesus. We should answer people's questions, but continue to move them towards Jesus. Verse 25, the woman said, I know the Messiah is coming, the one who's called the Christ. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. And look at this next point. This is so cool. Then Jesus told her what? I am the Messiah. The one you're looking for is me. The one you want to ask the question to is me. The one you're waiting for is me. The one who's at their best in the middle of your mess is me, is Jesus. You see, what you want to do in this conversation is reveal Jesus in your own life because Jesus wants to speak through you. I mean, the disciples were a great example of this. They were hot messes themselves. Many of them were sailors, and they probably cussed like sailors, but yet they were able to turn the world upside down because of who they knew. And this sentence is simply simple. Let me tell you the difference Jesus has made in my life. Hey, let me tell you the difference Jesus has made in my life. Let me reveal to you what God has done in my marriage, what God has done in my finances, what God has done in my parenting, the, the, the security, and I don't have to worry as much anymore because of what Jesus has done. And that is number five. You share the difference Jesus makes in your life. That's what you do. Now, as you leave today, you're going to be getting one of these cards with these five things on it. But before we close, I simply want to ask this question. Who are you in the story? Who are you in this story? Let me tell you who you're not. Jesus, right? Because your role is not conversion. It's what? Conversation. You are the woman in this story. I am the woman. By the way, that sounds a little weird. I am the ugliest woman you've ever met. But here's the thing. See, for some of you, maybe you just didn't meet Jesus at a well. Maybe you met him somewhere else. Maybe you met him in this room. Maybe you met him in the high school. Maybe you met him in the Kleeman Center. Maybe you met him in a small group. Maybe you met him as a child. Maybe you met him through somebody who shared their faith with you at Starbucks. But you met him somewhere. You know where your well is. The Jesus who was raised from the dead resurrected your life. He has changed your life. He has given you the living water that he's sharing with her. And for this woman at the well, she can't help but share it. Look at the next verse. Many Samaritans from the village believed in Jesus. Why? Because what the woman had said, he had told me everything I ever did. The woman starts telling people and people start believing. The woman starts doing what I'm asking you to do. Have conversations. Next verse. When they came out to see him, they begged him to stay a little bit longer in the village. So he stayed there two more days, long enough for many more to hear his message and do what? Believe. Now, this is interesting. Now they said to the woman, now we believe not just because of what you said, because you told us about who Jesus is, and that's pretty cool, but because we have heard it for ourselves. You see, because you had the conversation, we had the conversion with Jesus. It's Jesus has changed our life. So now we know he is indeed the Savior of the world. 
And like the woman at the well, if you're a father of Jesus, follower of Jesus today, your life has been changed because of him. Your role is conversation, not conversion, not manipulation, just conversation. So I'm going to give you a challenge. Remember, this is our big idea today. Our big idea, your role is conversation, not conversion. So your role, I'm asking everybody to have one conversation with someone about your faith. Now, listen, week one, I didn't do this, and week two, I didn't do this. But this is a a whole series about sharing your faith. You're going to have to do it, right? And take some invite cards. That'll make it easier, right? Easter's coming up. I promise you, if you invite somebody to Easter, they don't go to church, they'll probably come because you invited them. And here's something that's really simple. You can go on your Facebook right now and share the event this next weekend about the block party. That's low-hanging fruit. But also, here's the other challenge. This month, this spring, this summer, I'm going to challenge you to have a barbecue with friends who don't go to church. For you to put on your bib And to grab the tongs, tong to tong tong, and have people over at your house. You want a drink? As you're flipping the burgers, and here's what we're going to do. We're going to partner with you in this. You know, as you're doing this, maybe you're doing this as a small group together. That's great. Do that. But here's what we're going to do. As you're doing that, if you need help with the kids... I'll talk to our student ministry, and we're going to, if you contact us in the card that we're going to be giving out today, there is an email address on it. And if you will let us know, we will have some students showing up at your barbecue, and they'll do face painting and crafts and snow cones, and they'll take care of the kids while you aren't weird with your friends. And you can just hang out and have a conversation. All right? So that's what I'm asking you to do. That's my challenge. I'm going to pray for us and make sure to get those cards on your way out. God, we love you. We come to you today, and we thank you, God, so much that you have called us to tell other people about you, that our role isn't conversion. Our role is just having conversations. But, Lord, you are in control, but, God, we have a role in this. And I thank you so much for this partnership. I pray that as we leave today, Lord, that we would all grab those invite cards and that we would share it with people when we go out to restaurants, our coworkers, our friends, our family. Those are the hardest ones to talk about Jesus with. But Lord, you would give us courage because Easter is coming. And God, he is not in that tomb. He is risen. And because he is risen, he has changed our lives and we are free. And God, I thank you so much for that reality. We love you, and it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Guys, go and be the church. Thank you so much for joining us today. We hope you enjoyed the service. First time guests, remember to stop by the Next Steps environment to pick up your gift. Have a great week, and go be the church.